clashing. Yay. So, let me ask you a real question. How many of you think, thinking about yourself a little bit right now, how many of you think that your will, which is what you want, your desire in life, in general, clashes with God's will? How many of you think your will clashes with God's will? Throw your hand up, big and proud. Okay, quite a few. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't. In general, I don't like disagree with God necessarily. Okay. Well, we're going to look at the clash of two wills, and you can probably imagine that those two wills we're going to talk about are God's will and, and our will. Uh, personally, God has been revealing to me that my will. Um, epically crashes with his. I've realized, God has reminded me recently that my will is so selfish and stubborn. It's so passionate. It's almost as passionate as you guys saying you can't listen to Christmas music before Halloween, right? That's how passionate my will is, right? Regarding just things that are, you know, trivial or serious. I just hold on to what I want. No matter what God wants, naturally in my flesh, I have a strong will, right? You've heard probably the term uh, being a strong-willed child. Have you heard of that? Is anybody in here a strong-willed child? Means your will is strong? Yeah. I have pretty strong-willed children, I would say. Kylie, would you agree? Part of the time. Part of the time. They're pretty easy going, but there's times where they're very stubborn. And, and you know, I get upset about it. Like Ivy, she'll, she'll just dig her heels in the ground. And I'm like, why won't she just obey me? You know, and I get, I get frustrated. And then if I'm really honest and I reflect on it for, for any amount of time, I realize, oh, that's, she got that from me. Like, oh, okay. That's why she is that way. My mind, my attitude has wandered, and maybe yours has. Maybe this morning you're thinking, I don't know if I have a strong will. I don't know if my will is clashing with God's. But let me, let me challenge it with this. Is this, from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, is this your mindset? Paul says, for this cause I, Paul, watch it here, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Are you, is your attitude, your mentality, a prisoner of Jesus Christ? And, and I can lead the way in being honest and say, no, that has not been my mindset. I wander from that. Naturally, I, I, I get very far from that, right? Okay, so instead of viewing myself as a prisoner of the Lord or a servant of the Lord, a son who's called to lay his life down for the church... I can be assuming, presumptive, and I can, I can take hold of my life and say, no God, no other people, you can't have anything to do with it. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to lead the way with this. Can you relate? Can you relate? Do you have a strong will? Does your will clash with God's? Now this morning we're going to examine these two different wills, and we're going to just jump right in to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we need to pray before we do so. So, um, Rashawn, will you pray for us? We just pray that 
the Word of God would have free course. Can you do that? All right. All right. Um, dear God, thank you for this time that we had to learn about you and your Word. I pray that what we read sticks with us, and I pray that when we read it, we will tell it to other people. And I pray that your Word will keep going from generation to generation, God. I pray. I just pray that. I just. I pray that we will be able to understand what you are trying to say to us and let it change our hearts and our actions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Sorry about that. Okay, here we go. You ready? Read along with me. We'll just start with verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So the first will presented here in our study through Ephesians is God's will, right? Do you know what God's will is? Do you know what God wants? Are you familiar with God's will? So maybe you're thinking, I don't know if my will clashes with God's because I have no idea what He wants. Right? Or maybe you think you have an idea, uh, but you're just uncertain. I don't know what God really wants. I know He's in heaven, and I know that He loves me. I've heard that a lot. But I don't know what He wants from me, or what He wants to do in my life, or what He wants to do with my life. I don't know. Well, here's a few things, okay? Some may be harder than others for you. You may sense a bigger clash in some of these than others. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. I'm just going to move this so that it's not right behind me. That good? That's not good. What if I just knock the TV all the way over? That's how I feel, Ivy. <laughs> okay. Is that better? Better for me. So, the will of God. You ready? It is, God's will is that we would abstain from fornication. What in the world does that mean? Fornication is, as our pastor Sam says, fornication is the F word of the Bible. Okay? It is sexual intercourse outside of marriage. So, God's will is that we would abstain or we would not do fornication. Right? So God's will is that we don't have sex outside of marriage. But that's not it. He even gives a better explanation. He, he further explains it. He says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel or your body, this instrument of God, in sanctification, which is set-apartness, that your, that your lifestyle, that your body would be treated and used differently than the world's, Right? Because the world says what? Is the world cool if you have sex before you get married? 
Of course it is. It says you do whatever feels good. Do whatever you want to do. Right? Do whatever you want. And some of you even think that way. Maybe you haven't had sex, but you think similarly. Well, I can do whatever I want. And the world, they're running on that, on that, uh, on that song. Right? You just do whatever you want to do. Okay, but, but God says you and I, His will is that we would be different. We would be set apart from that. But not only just different. That you would know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and what? Honor. Okay, so what's that mean? For the ladies, this may, this may be more immediately appealing than to the fellas. To the fellas, we're pretty single-minded. We're pretty simple creatures. But, but the, the ladies, and maybe fellas, you can track with me. But the ladies, get this. God says, hey, don't have sex before you're married or outside of your marriage. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Because I want you to hold your body and use your body to be set apart from the world, but I want it to be used to be possessed in honor, which is set above, which is set up. In other words, God wants your body to be honorable, not defiled, not not." Ground level. Not stepped on. Not used and abused. God cherishes and values your purity. Because God cherishes and values you. You see that? God's will is that you would be pure. And so fellas, that's the same for us. So some of you are like, "Ah, yeah, I got that already. Cool. Some of you are like, that sucks. So maybe we're starting to see that our will might clash with God's. Here's the second one. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So God's will, this is the will of God, is that we would be thankful. So clash number two, God's will, is that we are thankful in all seasons and circumstances. Now that's kind of tough, isn't it? Because sometimes things really are difficult. Sometimes things are hard. Maybe sitting through someone preaching is hard for you. Well, God's will is that you would be thankful through that time. God's will is that you would be thankful. Or maybe it's not preaching. Maybe you enjoy preaching. Maybe it's school and you don't enjoy school. God says be thankful. Or maybe it's you have to do chores at home. God says be thankful through that. Maybe it's you have to work. Maybe you even have to to give part of your paycheck to mom and dad to help them keep things moving. God says be thankful. Maybe you get in trouble for something. God says be thankful. Our will naturally is not to be thankful, right? Our will clashes dramatically with with this particular will of God. Uh oh. Let's look at the last one. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here it is. What did Jesus do? Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the, this present evil world. What does that mean? He gave himself for our sins. He sacrificed his what? His life. He died according to the will of God. 
God's will was that Jesus would die for you and for me. Luke 22, 41 and 42 says, And he was withdrawn, this is Jesus, from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Jesus said to the Father, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now we're going to begin to see this clash. We're going to see the opportunity, the, the, the way to, to appease the clash. To not have a clash. Jesus, it was God's will that Jesus would die. Jesus had a much more difficult time. He had a much more difficult task, rather, of aligning himself with God's will than you and I do. God says, hey, be thankful. Don't have sex till you get married. Wow, that's hard. At least he didn't say, hey, go die on a cross. Man, would we follow Jesus' example? Not my will, but thine. So class number three is God's will was that Jesus would get up, give up his life for our sins. And he did have a much more difficult task than us. And I'd say that gives me comfort and peace that, all right, I can be thankful. All right, I can do that. All right, I can, I can give my life to God. And maybe I have to give up my life. And even if I did have to give up my life, my physical life, even if I had to do that, I can be comforted because I wouldn't be doing that alone. Jesus knows that feeling. Jesus knows that experience. What's the worst that can happen to me then? I die and I'm with Jesus? All of a sudden, if my will is completely surrendered, if your will is completely surrendered, if our wills are completely surrendered to His will, this is like a force to be reckoned with, right? So key point number one. God's will is that we would be delivered from this present evil world, that it wouldn't overcome us, from corrupt worldliness, that we would be different from the world, and that we would be delivered from an eternity in hell. God's will is that all would be saved. That doesn't sound so bad. Sounds kind of hard, but... Does that sound like you want to clash with God's will at this point? At this moment, you probably say, but I don't think so. But naturally in our flesh, well, yeah, there's still, still a little bit of a clash. Don't kick that, Jeff. Okay, thanks. Now, for such a clash of wills, we continue with Paul's prayer for the church. So we're jumping into verse 2. I'll give you a second. Don't turn the slide. Let him write the key point one down. And I'm just going to read this to you. So Paul says, to the church at Ephesus, he says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from God. Then he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He says, grace and peace. And then he says, man, bless God because he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So what is all of this? What's really happening? Well, in verse 2, Paul is praying blessings for the church. He's praying grace and peace for them. You know what that means? 
He's praying for grace and peace for them. That means God answers our prayers for grace and peace. God answers our prayers for grace and peace. And don't we need God's grace and peace in our lives? Especially because we're called to die daily. We're called to surrender our will. Don't you need peace through that? Don't you need grace for that? Don't our brothers and sisters need grace and peace in their lives since they're engaged in the battle for souls? Don't you know that some people in this room are literally, they're in toil, they're in turmoil. They're they're in tears because they're desperate that God would save a soul. They're desperate that God would, would call someone to repentance. They're desperate that God would move in someone's life. Don't they need grace and peace through that? And don't you need to pray for that for them? Don't I need to pray for that for them? Don't our counselors need grace and peace for their parenting? For their ministry outside of just student ministry? You know, this doesn't all happen in a vacuum. And I know you know that. I know you know that. I know you know that this, this time that happens right here on Sunday, and then we do this again on Tuesday, that that's not all that happens in our church lives. This isn't all the ministry that happens. This isn't all the preaching that happens. This isn't all the counseling that happens for the counselors or for you. So don't we need grace and peace that extends beyond just our moment together? Don't you need grace and peace throughout this week? I do. I need you to pray for me. And I need to pray for you. Man, that we would be a people of prayer for one another. Wouldn't we catch that heart? Wouldn't we catch that vision that I, I, I not only just pray because I know I'm supposed to pray and I'm going to follow this cookie cutter formula of being a good Christian. Man, wouldn't we grow beyond that and realize that I need to pray for Chloe because she just needs grace and peace in her life. I need to pray for Rashawn because he needs grace and peace. I need to pray for Kendall because he's a person and he's a minister and he needs God's grace and peace. Would God grow us to see that? That's what, that's what I want. That's what we need to be a people of prayer like Paul was praying for the people at Ephesus. And then in verse 3, okay, so here's, here's what God does. Welcome, guys. Come on in. In verse 3, Paul turns our focus from our current need to the one who meets that need. Okay, so he turns the focus from praying grace and peace for the church, and then he, and then he starts to bless God. Mentioning how God is the ultimate blesser where he says, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And here's the question. Do you know how good God is? Do you know how good of a God God is? Do you know that? Do you know how good of a God the God of the Bible truly is? And if I weren't asking that rhetorically and I asked you that authentically, I just said, hey, literally, do you know how good of a God God is? Probably many of us would say, kind of. Or maybe we would say, yeah, I have in moments, but I've forgotten. And can I just remind you how good of a God God is? James chapter 1 verse 17, this is, this is how... This is how good of a God, uh, God is. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift, every good gift that you have in your life, every perfect gift is from above 
and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Don't you know that all of the actual good things in your life, those come from God? Now you think, well, I got a really cool car and I think that's good. Yeah, that's fine, whatever. I don't think that God would define that as good. I think he would just define that as a thing you have in your life. But all of the actual good things, like the people who love you, Every perfect gift, like the Word of God, the eternal, infallible Word of God, those are things that God gave you that He didn't have to give us, right? Don't you know that we have so much that we don't deserve? And God is glad to give it? Okay, maybe you're not convinced. How about this? Matthew 7, 11. I've mentioned this verse, and I think I the mnemonic device I put on it was... Like you go to a 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee, right? You go to 7-Eleven to get what you need. Well, you can go to God in an even better, an even better way. I work by a 7-Eleven and I go there often. And if I forget my lunch, I go to the 7-Eleven and I buy a sandwich, maybe a bag of chips, maybe something else, like three, three or four things. And it costs me as much as it would cost me to go to Red Lobster, bro. And I sit there and I eat my lunch and I'm like, man, just all the possibilities of what I could have eaten. And yet I'm eating this, this tuna salad sandwich that cost me $5. Mm. Don't you know God is so much better than a 7-Eleven? But here in Matthew 7-Eleven, here's what God says. If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? I am flawed. I am evil. I am, dude, I'm, I'm weak. I'm very weak. And yet, I would give anything for Ivy. There's nothing I would withhold from her if she needed it. There's nothing. Nothing. I'd give my life for her in, a, in an instant. It wouldn't even be a, a, a question, right? It's settled. And then if you compare my fatherhood to God's fatherhood of us, He's so much better. He literally did give His life in an instant. Don't you know how good of a God God is? And so we're looking at our wills clashing with God's. Well, God's will is that you wouldn't have sex outside of marriage. God's will is that you would be thankful. God's will is that, man, you would surrender your will to Him. And it's a whole lot easier to do that if you know how good God is. Right? So let's keep moving here to key point number two. God wants to give you good things. It's those spiritual blessings that, he, that He's given us. God wants to give you good things. And so you need to know that about God. You need to remember that about God. And maybe you're thinking, well, if He wants to give me good things, maybe He'll give me a nice car. Again, our definition of good things may not line up with God's definition. And so, I would encourage you, look up what those spiritual blessings are. Try to, try to figure out from Scripture what God has given us, what good things God has given us. I could tell you three. There's three things He left. When Jesus, when Jesus ascended up back into heaven, there's three things He left. Number one, he left His Spirit, the Comforter. That's a very good thing. You can be comforted. You're never alone. You're never alone. That's awesome. 
It's a good thing. He left His Spirit. He left His Word. You literally have the mind, the thoughts, the feelings of God right here. You have it all. Bro, if you want to know God, you can. That's incredible. That's a good thing. And He left His people. He left His Spirit. He left His Word. And He left His people. He left His body, the body of Christ. And so you have this group of people. This group of people is for you and you are for this group of people. And you may not fully understand that, especially if you're new to this, if you're new to our group. You may be like, what in the world is this group for me for? What do I do with this group? Well, keep coming along. Keep, keep plugging away. Keep joining us. And you'll figure that out. You'll see that. We bear one another's burdens. We pray for one another. We enrich each other's lives. So there are blessings and answers to prayer waiting for us. There's these good things, and God is waiting for us to turn to Him and ask for those good things. He's waiting for us to say, okay, God, I know that Your will is for me. I know that You're for me, and so I'm just going to be for You. I'm just going to cry out and ask You for these things. I'm going to surrender my will to You. And now we're going to get a little technical, okay? You ready to get technical? We've been pretty inspirational. We're going to get a little technical. How many of you have heard of Calvinism? Okay, if you have heard of Calvinism or you haven't, I'm not going to explain it in depth. Okay, we're not going to get that technical. But the passage does warrant that we address this idea of free will. Okay, it it warrants that we address this idea of predestination. God deciding who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And and this concept that lies within uh, Calvinism that says God chose Chloe to go to heaven, but he he chose uh, Tiffany to go to hell. Right? It's, it's, if you don't think about it, kind of makes sense. But if you do think about it, not that Tiffany would go to hell. But if, but, if you do, but if you do think about it, it doesn't make any sense at all, right? God would choose one person to go to heaven, and He would choose, He would will, He would desire that someone else goes to hell. It doesn't make sense, right? So we're going to kind of, we're gonna kind of uh, look at it a little bit. So verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says. Blessed be the God of... of uh, And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Get this now. Verse 4. According as He hath chosen us. Oh, He chose us. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Okay, so I want you to close your eyes. We're going to do something together. We're going to just imagine some things. So close your eyes. Uh, Just play along with me, please. I want you to close your eyes and imagine something. Imagine the earth is just formed. It's just created. The earth is just created. And it's just suspended in space. It's slowly spinning. You've You've got a... I don't know how close you are. You're kind of far away. So you see the whole thing. It's just been created. God has known you. And He even chose you even before the foundation of that world was created. So that's a long time ago. 
Before the foundation of the world had ever been made, He chose us, according to verse 4, to be holy and without blame. Before we were born, and have now made all the mistakes and the sins that we've made, before all of that happened, before, before He even populated the earth, He chose for us to be clean and to be pure. Now His choosing of this is His will. That was His will. That was what He wanted. Keep your eyes closed. It continues in verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. It was His will that we would be holy without blame, that we would be uh, adopted as children. That is His will. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That is what God wants. God chose us and He predestinated us to be adopted and saved. However, because of our sin, God chose us but had to make a way for us to be saved from that sin. This is what God's will is and was. He wants us to be saved as His children. He chose it, He planned it, and He purchased it. He paid His blood for our, our predestination, for our one-way ticket to everlasting life with Him. This predestination is, He came up with a route to Him. He wanted us to be with Him. That's what His will is. Now go ahead and open your eyes. Yet, not every one of us is led by the Spirit of God. Not every one of us has surrendered our will to Him. Not every one of us has received that purchased one-way ticket to everlasting life with Him. Because the reality is, God's choice, God's choosing of you, God's plan, this predestination is only offered. It's not forced. The choice and plan must interact with an equally empowered force, which is your free will. God's will interacts with your will. And He says, you get to choose. He says, you get to choose if you'll receive eternal life. I chose it. It's what I want. But I'm giving you a free will. I'm giving you the choice. I'm offering eternal life. I'm giving you this everlasting life, this free gift. But you get to choose. Now watch this. Many of you have accepted that. You said, yep, okay, I'm taking it. And then he says, okay, you belong to me. Here's my will for you. But you get to choose because you still have a free will whether you surrender to my will. You get to choose. Right? You can choose right now to sin. But now, you get to choose to not sin. You can choose to surrender to the will of the Lord. So what is it? 
What is it that would break a man's will to live however he wants to? What is it that would cause us to believe on Jesus Christ in the first place? What is it that would allow us to give up control of our lives and give in to the Lordship of Christ? Why would we do that? Well, verse 6 says all this to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein, here's what He did, this is why we would, this is why we would give in to the Lordship of Christ. He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You know why I want to surrender my will to the Lord? Because He accepts me. Unconditionally. Because He gave His life for me. Because He gives good gifts to me. He has expectations for me. He calls me to to take up my cross daily. He says to surrender up my rights, to surrender up my life. And yet, He does it all in love. All in generosity. All in loving kindness. He's slow to wrath. He's full of mercy. And in my interactions with Him daily, I'm convinced more and more, I'm so glad I'm not in control of my life. I'm so glad that, that I can surrender to His will. The fact that He's made us accepted in the Beloved is enough for me, but here's, here's, here's your two choices. Before salvation, <clears throat> an eternity in a lake of fire Okay, that's option one. Eternity in a lake of fire versus an unconditional acceptance and love from the God of heaven. Is that a tough choice? No, that's not. Okay, but not only is a short life of party with an eternal, uh, an eternity in hell, not only is that an awful choice, but a short life of purpose with an eternity with Jesus is an incredible choice. Don't you know that your life is a vapor? Don't you know that people are dying left and right? Don't you know that? Not only because of COVID and because of all the sickness, not only because of all that, but because, bro, your life is a vapor. You're going to die soon. You're going to die soon. Now that sounds kind of morbid. Hopefully it's when you're, you know, 70 plus. But you're not, we're not promised another breath. So our life is short. How do you reckon that? Well, here's a way. Man, my life is pretty limited. My life is pretty small. And so the little life that I have, I know that I'll be in an eternity with heaven, uh, an eternity in heaven with God. And so I'm just going to give this little bit of life I have to God's purpose, to God's will. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to die to my rights. I'm going to die to my will. I'm just going to surrender. I'm going to give up. So here's my charge. Here's my conclusion to you. Stop. Have mercy on me. Stop the clash of your will with God's will. Surrender to God's acceptance, His blessings, His gifts, and His purpose for you. Surrender to His will. Surrender to His will. 
I know that there's people in this room who are in that struggle, who are in that clash. I know that for a fact. Multiple people. Okay? Those of you who are like, he's thinking about me. Yeah, I'm thinking about you and other people. Okay? There's a lot of us in here who are, who are literally in that battle of, will I let my will clash with God's? Please. Please give up. Please give in. Because my daughter, if she clashes with me, my will for her, well, that, that just makes her life harder. Right? But I never want to discipline that little girl. I never do. That hurts me. It really hurts. And there's a principle in Scripture that if, if you fight against God, you will reap uh, the consequences of that. God is a good Father. And He's a hard man to ignore. He's a hard man to run from. He's a hard man to keep at arm's distance. He's a hard man to not surrender to, especially when He purchased your life with His blood. Don't you know you belong to Him? Give in. Because He's a good God. So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads now. We're adding an element to this. Close your eyes and bow your heads. I would invite you and ask you to humble your heart before the Lord.